Hello and welcome back. I'm Steve Murphy, a trust and estates attorney with McGuire Woods LLP. And this is Once Removed, my podcast on estate planning, trusts, property, taxes, family, legacy, and everything else on my mind. This is the second of a series of episodes on trusts. In this episode, we'll spend a few minutes talking about the terms of a trust and how to ensure that the right structure is in place and the right directions are in place for the trustee to follow. You know, I give presentations and lectures all over talking about the nuances of a trust. So it was very humbling when someone summed up a trust in a simple sentence. He said, a trust is a pot of money and there are rules about how to spend it. Wow, well said, class dismissed. Not really, but that's a great summary. Let's unpack that and let's especially focus on this idea of rules. Let's focus on the rules that are in place of when the trustee is going to distribute money to beneficiaries and for what purposes. One of the most enjoyable things that I get a chance to do is to teach courses on trust and estates at the University of Virginia School of Law. And in those classes, I get to spend time with energetic and engaged students talking through many of these issues that we talk about on this podcast. And because of my teaching, many clients ask, are there any particular lessons or techniques that are being talked about in academia that are relevant to the work that I do in my day-to-day job? Now, I think they maybe have in mind some interesting tax techniques or some interesting emerging issues, like on modification of trusts. But that is actually not what we talk about in law schools. Actually, those techniques are being discussed by practitioners in the field, like members of ACTEC. So my answer might not be what they expect. I say, well, what are professors talking about? They are talking about how decisions are really made and the impact of incentives on decision making. And actually, that is very relevant to how you structure a trust. And that's the subject of this episode. It's an episode about trustee discretion and about this trustee decision making and about a distinction I make between rules and standards. When we talk about rules and standards and about trusts, I actually start to talk about an unexpected analogy. I talk about reckless driving. I have a point, give me a minute. One way to envision these discretionary distribution standards is through the concept of rules applicable to a trustee versus standards applicable to a trustee. So how does this relate to reckless driving? In Virginia, there's a long list of things you can do that get you pulled over for reckless driving. There's actually 20 categories. On one end of the spectrum, a person is guilty of reckless driving if he or she drives, I'm quoting, recklessly or at a speed or in a manner so as to endanger the life, limb, or property of any person. This seems an obvious example of a standard there's great discretion in the police officer and the judge to determine whether someone actually is driving recklessly or to endanger others. It's gonna depend on the weather and traffic and how many other people are doing it and on and on. On the other end of the spectrum, there is something that we would think about as a rule. A person commits reckless driving if he or she drives, and I'll quote, in excess of 85 miles per hour, regardless of the applicable maximum speed limit. This is almost a classic rule. This is basically automatic. If you go more than 85 miles per hour, you are guilty of reckless driving, period. But legal scholars have noted that even this kind of rule has elements of a standard. If you think about it, it's not really automatic that you get pulled over for reckless driving if you're going over 85. The police officer has to decide to pull you over. 
and that will be affected by the circumstances like traffic and the department's priorities and the officer's schedule and the officer's mood and on and on. That is, even reducing reckless driving to what seems like a pure rule, driving more than 85 miles per hour, still retains some elements of that kind of standard. So this is what academics are talking about, not just rules versus standards, but how rule-like something is and where those key decision points are. So in drafting distribution standards, I keep that distinction in mind. And I ask questions like, to what extent do we want a standard here where there's a lot of discretion in the trustee? Or to what extent do we want a rule that reduces discretion in the trustee? And how will these standard-like and rule-like principles operate in practice? So in the case of your trust, you might prefer a standard. An example of a standard would be that the trustee can make distributions for the beneficiary's best interests. That seems very broad. And in fact, courts would be reluctant to interfere with the trustee's decision of what does or does not serve the beneficiary's best interests. One famous case said that the trustee could consider things like the beneficiary's peace of mind in deciding whether to make a distribution or not. The court said this, and I'm quoting, of what avail is it to rest one's best interests on a purely financial basis and without regard to the effect upon a man's mind, heart, and soul if the end result would produce a wealthier man, but a sufferer from mental anguish. Wow, again, well said. But this standard of best interest still means the trustee is accountable. In fact, if the trustee didn't have to answer to anyone, then it wouldn't be a trust at all. So even this standard has some elements of a rule. It is still guided by certain principles. As an example, if a trust has massive amounts of money in it, a trustee might feel uncomfortable saying no to distributions to beneficiaries, even if they have that, have that broad discretion. Many other clients prefer terms that are set in stone. That is, they would prefer a trust that is rule-based, or maybe they just begin thinking about a trust in that way. We call these mandatory provisions. Common examples might be, you have a trust that says when the beneficiary turns a certain age, they receive a certain fraction of the trust. Like when they turn 30, they get one third of the trust assets. We saw that in that recent Harrison case, which I discussed in a recent episode. Or you might say the beneficiary must receive the income from the trust every year. Or you might say when the beneficiary graduates from college, they get a certain distribution of perhaps $100,000. And in fact, some clients like to get even more creative by setting up what they call incentive trusts. And we'll talk about that in later episodes. There's nothing particularly wrong with these rule-based approaches. Of course, if the funds must go out of the trust, and if the trustee has little or no discretion, that could be a problem if the goal is to keep the assets in trust where it might have some benefits, which we've talked about in other episodes. But it's important to recognize that even in these mandatory or rule-based approaches, there is still plenty of trustee discretion. Take the example of a trust that requires the distribution of income. Income is typically defined as investment returns like dividends. So the amount of income generated will depend on the types of investments. The trustee might invest in all value stocks that pay dividends, which we would anticipate substantial income being generated. Um, or what if the trustee invests in growth stocks where we don't think there will be any income generated? So even if we think this distribution of income will be automatic, the trustee has discretion of how much income to shoot for based on the trustee's discretion of how to invest. And in fact, if the trustee must invest for income, then that will affect and potentially limit the kinds of investments and the ways that the investments can benefit the trust in the long term. 
But let's also not forget how the beneficiary's behavior might affect this rule. Let's say the beneficiary gets a certain dollar amount when receiving a graduate degree. That might lead the beneficiary to get a graduate degree as quickly as possible. So as an alternative, you could give the trustee discretion of whether or not to make that distribution. But again, that might mean that the distribution is not made. And in fact, this trustee discretion doesn't have to be limited to just making distributions. You could imagine any number of other ways you could provide rules or standards for the trustee, such as treating beneficiaries equally or not, or considering beneficiaries other resources or not, or even something different like how to manage investments or exercising powers of appointment or removing and replacing trustees. And we'll talk about that last piece in a later episode. So where does that leave us? Well, first of all, it leaves us with an observation. There are elements of a rule in el and elements of a standard in all of these approaches. There is no right or wrong answer to any of this, and we'll discuss various nuances in later episodes. And second, even if you try to make this automatic, and even if you set up a very rule-based approach, then that itself sets up its own implications for trustee behavior and beneficiary behavior. And you might want to think how to solve for those additional consequences when you're drafting the trust. So here at Once Removed, we'd like to leave you with a thought exercise at the end, something in closing. So keep in mind that I think the best person to make these decisions is you. So while you're alive or while you're in control, you can make these decisions of whether and how to benefit your beneficiaries. But here on Once Removed, we're envisioning a time when you are removed from the equation because you've passed away or you've made a gift. So in that scenario, my question for you is, how much do you prefer a kind of rule-based approach where certain steps are automatic or almost automatic? And would you want to try to address any other implications of those? Or how much do you prefer a kind of standard-based approach where you give the discretion to the trustee, where the decision-making is really vested in the trustee, perhaps with your guidance? For many clients, this just points them to the next question of who. Who decides? That's the question about who should serve as trustee. And that's the subject of our next episode. I'm Steve Murphy, and this has been Once Removed, a podcast on thoughtful estate planning. Thanks for listening.